Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is the Tennessee Power Hour, Outkick 360, Monday edition. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow, we presume, has made it to Nebraska. Paul, he has because he, has he made told it. us about his. Uh, he told me about his uh, inability and ineligibility to join us on our parlays this week, as he is in a. There are conflicting reports state. about that. No, he said he's in a non-betting state. Oh, okay. So there's a casino <laughs> or two in his state, but not a uh, betting app. It's probably healthy for him, you know, to unplug. It'd be healthy for me. My prediction: We're about state. to go on a little win streak yeah. on these parlays, and, and Chad's Chad going to miss out. Chad will take the blame. Uh, he, he will blame himself for not being a part of it, for having to go to Nebraska. Uh, we Another wish reason he and the drive family the to best. South Carolina, uh, South Dakota. Chad, if you'd like to uh, spot me a few uh, a few bones, I'll be happy to add to my parlays each day, so you could be a part of this as well. College World Series tonight: Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. Props to Tim Corbin, uh, who continues to win and win at a high level. Uh, Paul, you, you think of LSU and Texas, uh, Mississippi State comes to mind for college baseball, but uh, and we get that final, we get the All SEC final, but just means more. I think the casual, the casual sports fan, if you said name the top college baseball programs in America. Vanderbilt is, I, I would say, if we're, on, if we're on Family Feud right now, Vanderbilt would be the number one answer. I would think so as well. I mean, there's always uh, recency bias. They're the defending champions given a year off. Yeah. So you have a chance to do back-to-back here, but over the span of three seasons, not two. Um, and they've won two mm-hmm. in relatively short order. Um, plus, they're getting a ton of attention because of the names they have and the draft pick quality. Yes, that uh, helps. Kumar Rocker and then Jack Leiter, who's got you know, more attention because of a, a famous pitching father. Um, and so, and, uh, can, I, can I jump in? We were very critical of CBS showing the parents during the NCAA tournament. Um, I love watching Al Leiter and seeing his reaction to what his son is doing on the mound. Like anytime they, because I I love watching Lighter on MLB Network. Yeah, he's good. So any anytime they're showing his reaction to a pitch or a call or a big strikeout at the end of the inning, I I prefer the camera go to him. And I I mean I know it's a dad to dad and a family to family thing <clears throat> as to how parents uh, are able or not able to control themselves emotionally watching their son or daughter perform. I'm I'm fascinated by the dynamic of a father who's expert at what his son is doing, watch his son do it. Um, so I, I'd I'd watch a a lighter cam in the corner. Uh, yeah, you know, just to 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 see if he's saying, all right, curveball outside here. 
you know, or to think if he's talking through pitch sequences in his head or how, how able he is to not do that. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of curious about that whole dynamic. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, and, I, again, I, I really enjoy the work that he does on MLB Network. Uh, props to Vandy. Look, uh, going back to just the recognizable aspect of college baseball and the sport, they are baseball. They're college baseball. Uh, Corbin has taken this to another level, a chance to win their third, I believe, in eight years. They've been now in five, five College World Series in 11 years. And now a chance to go back-to-back back because we didn't see this a year ago. So... Uh, game one tonight against Mississippi State. The throwbacks, Paul, making a comeback in the NFL. We, it's very cyclical. Like we, th- they did this at the the 50th anniversary of the AFL. It was a big hit. Fans want the throwbacks. They well, want the alternate uniform. They tried to bring it back a second, and they t- some uniforms are okay. They tried to do a similar version of this with the color rush on Thursday nights. Uh, some were good, some were Jacksonville. Here, the Titans have a chance to put the Oilers' throwbacks back on, and that would be a huge hit based on the color scheme. Throwbacks hadn't gone away. It's throwbacks that called for a different With the helmet, helmet right. is the issue. And so the league has now passed, uh, not this season, but starting in 2022, that you can wear a second helmet if you follow certain sets of protocols to get that helmet ready. For a long stretch now, they had determined that somehow it was safer if you wore the same helmet the whole season. They're backing off of that. The thing is that now there's something that if you hadn't already put in a request to wear the uniform in 2022, uh, it's too late. So it's really going to be 2023. Not the helmet. Right. Because the, the but helmet. But if you hadn't put in to wear the powder blue Titans uniforms that require the white helmet, <laughs> so you could get the helmet, but you can't get the uniforms because the deadline's passed, That's which ridiculous. is moronic paperwork garbage. They can literally make this rule up however they see yes. fit. So the deadline for the helmets, by the way, is July 31st. Just right. extend the uniform deadline. deadline. Right. What sense does it make to have separate deadlines for two elements of the same uniform? And I'm sorry, no. but when I think of uniform, the helmet is included in that. Right. It's one thing. All, all one thing. Head. Head to toe. To toe. Um, so, look, I, um, I, I fully expect Amy Adams Strunk will want to wear them. Last time I talked to her about them, it was only going into the second season of the new uniforms. So at that stage, it didn't make a lot of sense to me to get out of the new uniforms, which you're still trying to sell to people. Now it will Completely be five agree. years into the new uniforms by 2023. Uh, then absolutely. Look, it's one of the prettiest uniforms, particularly the powder blue, but the white ones are very pretty too. They've been on a shelf. J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins, while they were with the Texans, talked about how much they wished the Texans could wear the Oilers' throwbacks. She told me, no way that's happening. You know, and she knew it. The Texans would never want to wear that anyway. You're going to wear the throwback uniforms of conceivably your arch rivals who are in your division. (laughs) A lot of Titans fans would like to see the Titans annually wear the Oilers throwbacks against the Texans. In Houston. In one game, preferably in Houston (laughs) and Amy's, you know, hometown um, backyard and and in the city of their origin. Um, But look. The number one thing driving this is money, right? And the Titans could surely sell a lot of these very pretty uniforms. Yes. 
Um, and we've seen some of the guys wear them. A.J. Brown has worn it. Uh, a Warren, no, I don't know if it's a Warren Moon one or a Number Earl one, Campbell. it was. Well, Earl Campbell one. Um, but uh, it's a very good-looking uniform. So some of the beefs with uh, these, these throwbacks or the Steelers have gone back to the Bumblebee and all of that. Ancient history, the Packers have done some ancient history ones. This is like, um, you know, the Patriots going back to uh, That's what it, yes. Patriot Pete or whatever his name Pat. is, Pat. Um, which are very good uniform, but not as good as, as the Oilers' throwbacks are probably as good-looking a uniform as there is. See, I want to see Tampa Bay the wear their throwback. And those to see are Tom Brady excellent. In that. To see Tom Brady in that yes. would be very cool. Those, those I don't love the excellent. helmet on those, but I love the uniform. Tampa Bay, I, I like the old-school helmet on there with the pirate. Like I, I, I want the the whole thing with the you know, knife in the teeth. teeth. Uh, that one, I, I think of uh, the New England Patriots with Pat the Patriot, and I, then I think of the Oilers. Those are the three that I want to see brought back. Denver as well. You could throw back Denver the old school Denver. Changed. Denver never should have changed. Agreed. And this is my argument all the time about uniform changes. If you have a uniform that has history to it, Denver went to, what, four Super Bowls in those uniforms, I think? You can't change it. If you have a history in a uniform, I think. Now, they didn't win uh, Win one, all right? So I get that, Denver. Uh, if so? you win a Super Bowl in a uniform, <laughs> I don't think you can change. I don't think you can do a remodeling, you know? If you're the Titans and you don't have any history and you well, haven't the Patriots had success, remodeled after winning. you change it. I don't think, did the Patriots win their first one in the first uniform? Well, I'm saying, like, they won Super Bowls wearing a different version uniform than what you're saying. Are you saying change the logo or the uniform? They've changed the uniform structure. I'm saying don't make a all-out overhaul of your uniform if you have history wearing a uniform. Your baseline uniform should remain the same. Here is The same way the Colts and the Packers, you know, if you're a team like that and you have anything going for you, the baseline's got to be the baseline. So I think Denver changed too much. We'll give credit, and I can't remember who tweeted this out, but it's at the bottom of this image. Here is the, uh, we don't have this? No. Throw this up. <laughs> Go ahead. Lane. Throw up what we think is going, well, that's similar. That's similar. In, in the document, there is a photo of A.J. Brown wearing the Oilers blue that we put in last night. Um, and I can try to send that again if it'll go through. But that, that is the Oilers throwback. Uh, I'd go blue over white. The, I want the sure. blue uniform, and uh, here it is. <laughs> the blue uniform with the white helmet on A.J. Brown. Um, and again, that Paul, that, and is that, that not sell, beautiful? Yes, it's beautiful. And it would sell in Houston. <laughs> that would really be tough on the Texans because that uniform would sell in Nashville. It would sell in Houston. And if you're a national fan, you know, Derrick Henry's uh, uniform sells a little bit nationally. A.J. Brown's will. Julio Jones's will, if he's still here uh, when that comes around. Yep. Um, and it's the soft it's the soft baby blue, but it's the same reason I love the old San Diego simple. Chargers uniforms. Yeah. Right? That same just That's the one that clean. should come back, too. Yeah. The clean look. You think they will? With the with the with the recent move to their LA See, I'd wait. destination, I, I think if you're relatively new, you can't go back, and you've relative and you recently moved. It's hard to to uh, you know. That's why I would have said the Titans in their second year in their new uniforms as Titans 
would have been hard pressed to be wearing Houston throwbacks. There when it you're is. Still campaigning. There it is. Uh, yeah. So Schefter reporting that you can bring back the helmets uh, prompted at Ten Sports T E N N Sports. Uh, to put up the graphic of A.J. Brown wearing the Oilers throwbacks. I, to me, that is the best look possible from the throwbacks that the, the Titans could put together. It's fantastic. The NBA has no uniform consistency either. That, that, you know, that's a topic maybe we've hit in the past that we should hit again. They, they don't do throw, Every time I tune I, I don't in, know they're, if they do throwbacks, they do throw forwards. Yeah, there's I mean, no, there is no consistency things. to and it. And I'll say the Suns uniforms that they've worn the last couple games that I've seen with the basketball on the front is not bad close up. But you get far away and it's an orange basketball and an orange jer- jersey with very little outline. It doesn't look like anything. It looks like an orange jersey. And in some cases, you know, Utah, the, the color schemes are just... N- nothing like I remember them being for the for the franchises. Just kind of throw anything you want to in a bucket. I'm not a big uniform guy. I'm not. But I'm a big don't screw it up uniform guy. And I think there's so many that are so bad. I'm not like collecting there's them. There's a basic thing that meet the basic requirements for looking good. And usually simple is better than complicated. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't buy the. You know, I don't wear jerseys either. That uh, it's not. You know, it's Halloween. not my demographic, right? It's for the younger audience that go out and buy these things. Uh, in some cases, older. <laughs> but uh, my point on the uniform, that is the brand, there's a branding and a marketing ability through the color scheme and the logo, right? There's a recognizability with it um, that some, some get right and some don't. And, oh, absolutely. And the NBA, it's almost like, we're going to put the name of the team on the screen and then you just wear whatever the hell you want to wear yeah. in, in some cases. Well, uh, and, they and change it, it up so much. And it ties to logos. The NBA has a ridiculous rule that every logo has to have a basketball in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty stupid. Or a round circle of some well, sort. That, 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 well, a lot of teams have fudged with it. Like the Bucks have the antlers that create, there's a basketball in there. But it meets the rule. There's a basketball in there. Like, if you look at it closely enough, they convinced David Stern it was a basketball. The Magic have their basketball in their logo. Penny Hardaway could be their next coach. We'll discuss what the Memphis Tiger is doing talking with the Magic and what it means for Memphis basketball moving forward. And if Penny is taking the gig, that's straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee at Blackbird Studios and the Blackbird Academy. Visit their website, theblackbirdacademy.com. Over 14,000 square feet of rehearsal space is available here at Blackbird Studios and at the Academy. And you can go to school. You can get the best instructors. You work with the best gear. And they will train you in their nine world-class studios to be a studio engineer, audio engineer, if you want to be out on the road, on tour, if you want to be in studio on a daily basis working with the best artists, you do that right here at Blackbird Studios with Martina and John McBride and their great staff on hand here across all of their studios at the Blackbird Studio, theblackbirdacademy.com for more information. Note to self, Paul. Uh, and just passing on the advice, don't pick up the spider tack and then try to work with notes. It does not, <laughs> it does not work well. Uh, and don't touch your face afterwards either, especially if you have any facial hair. <laughs> not, not going well 
on this Monday edition of the show after messing with the spider well, tag. That's a good way to remove the beard. Yeah, maybe that's why the uh, Yankees have the no facial hair policy. <laughs> <laughs> They've had that for a long time before anybody thought of spider tag. Um, Penny Hardaway, is he on his way to Orlando? Uh, reports are that he is in a serious contender for the Magic's uh, opening at, at head coach. They are not a good basketball team. Uh, he has a ton of star power, both in Memphis and in Orlando, where he was the star, along with Shaquille O'Neal. But I grew up in the 90s, Penny and Shaq, and the, we were discussing the uniform brand. Orlando was new to the scene, and that team was as popular, not, not as, as popular as the Chicago Bulls by any means, but they were right there on the TV week in and week out on NBC because of the star power of Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal um, and, and then everyone else that played with them. But I believe it was like 92 or 93 to 1999 is when he starred with the Orlando Magic, and now he could be back as their head coach. Um, he would be taking over a very young team. I think that's beneficial for Penny Hardaway in many ways. Uh, he took over and has been coaching a very young team in Memphis. I... I feel terrible for the Memphis Tigers if he takes the job at the end of June, early July, and what they might have to do moving forward with their own head coaching search. They're in a very bad spot if that were to be the case. But I would not blame Penny Hardaway for taking the gig the same way that LSU fans didn't blame Nick Saban for taking an NFL job. Now, they hated his guts when he came back and started to be the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. But you get my point here. It's you're, you're taking a step up to go coach at the highest level, even if you want to argue that college basketball is a better product overall than the NBA. It's the highest level of competition. And I, I had the chance back in 2018 to call his state championship game at Memphis East. Uh, for those that don't know, if you're just joining us across the country on OutKick, Penny Hardaway was the head coach in Memphis at a high school team, Memphis East. They won the state title. They were phenomenal. They had five-star recruits, uh, and they had in-state recruits. Some, some players who had committed elsewhere, one was, was to Wichita State, then ended up transferring to play for, for Penny uh, in high school. He came from AAU. Right? came from the AAU circuits and Team Penny uh, through the Nike channels that, that many are familiar with. Um, and there was an assistant coach in middle school, um, Brandon Merriweather was his name. He passed away at the age of 41 uh, due to cancer. He was Penny Hardaway's best friend growing up from his days in Memphis. And Brandon Merriweather was the head coach, I wrote this down and I'm trying to remember, at Leicester Middle School. And that is where Penny first started, was at Leicester Middle School. And Desmond made the comment then that they were going to pair together. They were w going to win a state championship at the middle school level. They would go on to win a state championship at the high school level, which is when this was 2018. They would then take over a college basketball program and win a state championship at the college basketball, or uh, a national, national championship at, the, at that level and go to the NBA. And their goal was, the dream was to do it with many of the same players that they would have all the way through. Um, Desmond passed away at the age of 41, and this was a year or two before Penny won the high school state championship. 
But Penny was coaching in that state championship game in Murfreesboro, uh, literally as he's interviewing for the Memphis Tigers job. And he ends up taking the Memphis Tigers job. He's won twice as many games as he's lost since he's been the head coach. By no means is it a grand success. Not NCAA success. But Tournament. March Madness success. But they just won the NIT, and they have a lot of momentum right now. They also have had a lot of opt-outs and transfers due to the transfer portal. It's no coincidence that we've seen two of the best head coaches in college basketball retire this year based on the way things are going. Things are getting much harder to coach at the NCAA level at a very high level. And those guys are old. Well, they're old, but they're, they both retired at the same year with an open transfer, with one-and-dones, with, the, D, with the, D, uh, the NBA D-League having a team dedicated to some veteran players. But four of the, two of the top four prospects in the upcoming NBA draft are playing on Team Ignite currently. And Team Ignite is made up of a lot of players who opted out of college to go make $500,000 in salary at the NBA D-League for a year prior to being eligible for the NBA draft. That that just started. That's an undersold story. That just started. Too. That's a trend that's coming. Yes. Uh, the Orlando Magic hold the number five overall pick. And I, I find it interesting that one of the players that is a top five pick was a player, Jalen Green, who may not make it to number five overall, I doubt it. But Jalen Green's a shooting guard, five-star prospect, who was almost going to go play for Penny Hardaway in Memphis and chose to go play for the NBA D-League and Team Ignite. So there's one player, for instance, that Penny could potentially end up with. There are some other players here, too. The top players are Cade Cunningham, uh, Evan Mobley from USC, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, and then two players from Team Ignite in the D-League. He could mold and build around a player of that magnitude in Orlando with a top five pick, but they have an extremely young team. He would need an extremely long contract to build around. It, well, the first thing that struck me about that, the dream with the, with the friend who passed away, yes. a little naive in terms of you being able to shape your NBA roster to yeah, that yeah. degree right. where you could get the same kids and that, that all your middle school guys are going to pan out. Also, what is a middle school state championship? Well, it, th there is a tournament that is played where it, it, it was pretty it, – it's a self-proclaimed state title no. – the TSSAA is not a governing body for middle school state championships. It's pretty well known that they were the best team in the state for middle schools. They traveled the country and played and didn't lose. So, And uh, you know this way better than I do. I mean, is three years of coaching at Memphis make your NBA coach worthy? I mean, we're talking, I, I don't want to contradict myself because we're talking about new blood sure. in the NBA coaching ranks and there not being enough of it and them keeping recycling guys. So I'm all for, for new guy in there. How good a coach is Penny Hardaway and how much is it his, his rep and how, that he was a great player? Well, he's, and that he relates to He's a pretty good kids. coach. Um, he's a hell of a recruiter and he relates to those players that so naive yes to think you can build all the way through but he did that with James Wiseman James Wiseman played with him at Memphis and because of some NCAA rules dating back to high school where Penny Hardaway coached him he was deemed ineligible after the first 12 games or was suspended for 12 games 
decided to just opt out and wait for the NBA draft, his freshman season at Memphis. Um, could you conceivably have some players that you end up with that you know from your AAU ranks that are in the NBA right now? Yeah, you could. And it's not going to be the entire team. Some. But I think the dream was that you have some Memphis-born and bred players that go through the entire system all the way to the NBA and you somehow end up with them. Um, I think Hardaway makes a ton of sense for Orlando and Memphis, right? Like, he, his heart is in Memphis. And he has said this in a quote earlier this month when he was asked about does he want to stay in Memphis. He says, look, my, my heart is in Memphis. I'm always going to be a Memphis Tiger. That can still be true as the head coach of the Orlando Magic. And it's very telling that this is the direction Penny wants to be and, and go because he could have played this like Jawan Howard played this. Jawan Howard in Ann Arbor had his agent tell NBA coaches, he's not leaving Ann Arbor, Michigan. Don't bother trying to interview Jawan Howard for your NBA opening. Penny didn't do that. So Penny's and, and according to the report I read, he, he has interviewed with Orlando and is a serious contender. He's the only coach that's been mentioned as a serious contender to get the job. Others have been mentioned, but not in that same context. So does he want to coach in the NBA or does he want to stay at Memphis? It is, it is more and more difficult to coach college basketball at a high level based on the transfers, uh, and based on the one-and-done situation and the fact now that you can go play in the D-League and make it's capped at $500,000 per season for a salaried player at that level. Uh, when, one and done. When you're competing, yeah, you're, one, you're, your five stars are deciding whether or not they want to go play for Duke and Kentucky or go play for Team Ignite, coached by Brian Shaw. And that that is the team you can go play for and that you're recruited to play for. They're stationed out in, uh, they're headquartered out in uh, California. So that, that's the decision that a lot of these players are making. Either way, it's a one and done system. And he's also dealing with the transfer portal. They won the NIT, and then he lost a handful of players to the open transfer portal, where, team, where players are deciding to go play for, for other teams that have lost scholarship players due to one and done, and they're replacing them with Penny's guys. I'm intrigued by him in Orlando, and I'm also anti-Memphis in all things. So if it hurts the city of Memphis, I don't mind that. Just because overall. Because of my, uh, because of my uh, un unending contempt for Memphis. I would love to see him get Memphis basketball back to the standard that I know he wants it to be. But does a He's, program like Memphis ever stand to get there? I mean, in basketball, it certainly could happen. But um, well, he was, it's harder and harder. Like you're saying, it's harder and harder generally in basketball. It was his does second, that make it easier for a program like Memphis or harder? Well... If he's going to get the James Wisemans of the world and do it to where they don't face NCAA infraction, but the NCAA is for a year, right? they're under investigation for something he did as a high school coach, not as a college coach. So, do you want to deal with that headache? No. Through the NCAA, no. with all the other rules and NIL and everything else coming in. Plus, it's a year-round job as compared to the NBA, where you have an actual off-season. Yeah. To a degree, right? You have some legitimate vacation And you're time. coaching practically the same age type of player, right? To a degree. The, yeah. Some of your roster. Give or right? take a few, but 
for the I mean, especially in Orlando with the way their their roster is is configured right now, it would be a extremely young team. Uh, high draft pick. Uh, some see this as a five player draft. Again, Orlando picks fifth. Yeah, one of them. Um, and I don't think a lot of a lot of there would be some fans in Memphis that would hate him for it. I don't think there would be a lot of those uh, who who follow the the Memphis Tigers closely that would blame him for taking the NBA job. This oh, is not him, you could blame him. This is not him jumping Abandoning. ship for another college opportunity, right? This is going back to the team that drafted him and a team that desperately needs, quite frankly, the the marketing aspect of what Penny Hardaway brought them in the 90s. Yeah, it's not just a random NBA team either. Like right. you said, Grizzlies and Magic are the two that would have a, a special stature for him. Yeah. You know, if it were the Heat or the Thunder, you might ask a different question. Then they're looking to re-energize their fan base to a point where they haven't seen it since Dwight Howard is winning the slam dunk competition by dunking over a car. That was probably like 2011, 2012. They, have, they haven't been relevant since that moment in the All-Star game. <laughs> so that you get relevant and you bring some people back in as you open the doors again next season with Penny Hardaway as your coach and with a young player that you're building around moving forward. It'd be interesting to see um, if, if they don't have any, uh, if another premier candidate, premier, I'm not yeah. saying premier name, but somebody that's tabbed as a high-level candidate for them emerges or not. Because what you're saying is so far this is the only name that has any juice on it. There, and there have been your, your typical names that have been floated out there. Recycled. Yeah, re- recycled names. And, and there are others that have been mentioned. He's not the only coach they're after. But he's the only one that has, in reports, that has been said that is a serious candidate to get the job. Which, to me, means they're talking contract. That's, that's how I read between the lines on it. And it screws Memphis. Paul, Paul's all for that. I, I, I hate it for any program that's going to lose their coach on well, the, the eve Well, the timing of the year. The timing in the year stinks. Uh, I mean, you'd like it to turn over... A regular coaching interval. And then it's a domino effect thing, too. So It'll, Memphis then goes right. and technically, you know, for lack of a better word, screws another program. And then there's a domino effect. It hits three, four, five programs as you take uh, a head coach from somebody else until somebody's taken only an assistant. Yep. And there are other instances of, uh, of some, some coaches who have gone on to a different level, right, and then come back. To college and coach a different team. I don't see Penny doing that. I, I see him going NBA or play, or coaching at Memphis. You know, and look, there, there are a lot of naysayers that that said, "Oh, Penny Hardaway is an AAU coach. Like he, he's not going to do much at Memphis. He's sixty three and thirty two overall since he took over." Now, that's not John Calipari s numbers. But again, there's not not much that's, madness in there. That's the, that's the only thing I would say well, counted. I had good success for that program at that level. There's not, but March, there's Madness. not March Madness. They, they, they were a final, they were a lead eight final four type contender with the James Wiseman. COVID. Also the year of COVID. Yeah, they, yeah. They and, were on the boundary, I think. And then last year, they're a bubble team that got into the NIT and won the NIT. Now you could say some teams want to be there, some teams don't. It was a reduced tournament. Whatever you want. They won the NIT. They won the games that were in front of them. They won the NIT, and they're entering 2021-22 with much higher expectations. On the upswing. But do you want to deal with the NCAA headache? 
because he's being investigated for things that happened in high school as he took over the college program. Uh, and, and there are things that the TSSAA, I'm sure, looked, not looked the other way, but there's nothing they could do to uh, keep, keep Penny Hardaway from... There was a couple of years, there were a couple of years, Paul, where he was not the head coach at Memphis East. But he was there. He was on the bench, right? As an AAU guy yeah, of influence. Yes, and then he eventually became the head coach for a year and then became Memphis's head coach. But there was no, it was just, it was a weird structure. And a lot of other teams went into it thinking, hey, look into this, right? They're, they're circumventing the rules to make sure Penny Hardaway's on the bench and he's coaching the team. And if he wasn't on the bench, he was sitting right behind the bench in the stands. It was pretty clear where these players were coming from and they were being funneled through Team Penny. Uh, again, I, we all knew it was taking place and they were very, very good. Well, that's another reason to uh, go to the NBA. There no rules yeah. to circumvent. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's all laid out there. You don't have to Build your super sign team a free there. agent and draft. That's right, that's right, and uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of his just because I you are you've always been I, intrigued by the whole deal. I, I am because of some of the things he's done behind the scenes, you know, giving buying shoes for all the middle school teams in Memphis for the inner city youth, and I mean, for for those that wonder, oh, is he going to be able to get the five star recruits to stay in Memphis instead of going to play for Coach Cal at Kentucky or go to Duke? Uh, the answer is yes, because they all grew up with Penny Hardaway, even though Penny Hardaway was out of the NBA because he was coaching their team. He was invested in their city. Uh, that was the intrigue for me. And the, the whole backstory with, with Penny and Desmond Merriweather, uh, I just found very intriguing and, and how he tried to, to honor one of his best friends who had passed away by winning the state title um, and wouldn't really even talk about it until after they won. This is all a part of their overall dream. And the next level is the NBA. It's all, it was a foregone conclusion he's going to be an NBA coach at some point. The matter is when. And the timing right now seems to be Orlando and Memphis make a lot of sense. Memphis, I'm talking about the Grizzlies. Grizzlies aren't available. Orlando comes calling. I think those are the two franchises he would entertain. Not going to be that often that right. one of them comes open either. Coming up, it's not often that a future... Pro Football Hall of Famer is available. That was the case for the Titans and Julio Jones. Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, made some comments recently about his relationship with Vrabel and about what he thought of the Julio Jones trade. We'll give our thoughts on Arthur's reaction next on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. For those watching, I am retweeting the link right now. Julio Jones, and is the trade a win-win? That's our topic for the final segment of today's program. Big sports night, uh, including the College World Series Game 1, Game 1 to the Stanley Cup Final, and also we have the NBA playoffs where the Suns can win and advance to the NBA Finals. You can win as well with FanDuel.com. Just go to FanDuel.com slash OK360. And the offer for new users is simple. You bet $5, you can win $150. That's because 
there are 30 to 1 odds. You place a bet as a new user, your first bet with FanDuel, on any team to win its next game in the NBA playoffs. You can bet $5, you can win $150 on the money line. 30 to 1 odds with FanDuel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360. If you're wondering, you're like, Hutton, look, you said this two weeks ago. I can say it again today. And that is because this offer is good through the NBA playoffs. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Paul, that is, like, like Chad likes to say, why have you not done that already? I Fandle can't imagine you haven't. Gives but if you, you more incentive do. to win with your first bet. Arthur Smith called the trade for the Titans trading for Julio Jones a win-win. Paul, do you view it as a win knowing what the Falcons received, a second-round pick, plus they're, they're swapping some picks moving forward in these drafts, but a second-round pick in essence. And the win really for Atlanta is getting the salary off the books for the cap. The reports where they couldn't sign their rookie class. Yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot inherited a really bad cap situation. They had to, uh, you know, it was a shaken up soda bottle, and they had to, you know, find a way to open the cap without, you know, creating a monstrous yep. mess. So they found that way. So, I mean, it's a win for them in that they had to, to solve the soda bottle problem. It's not a win for them in that they're lining up cap space between Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. That's not what you want. But they both knew it coming in that something was going to have to happen to relieve the, all of this, uh, you know, all these bubbles. And so, you know, we know Arthur Smith. Um, he's not going to look at it like, oh, man, I don't get the coach Julio Jones and I don't get to line him up. He knew coming in that something was going to happen that uh, was going to relieve, uh, have, to, have to be done to relieve this problem. And so uh, having an additional second rounder next year is not so bad. And quite frankly, their cap problems are not over because Matt Ryan's number skyrockets next year. Now the cap will go up and it will give them some ability. And, and if you're a Falcons person that you hope, you hope that Matt Ryan has an excellent season this year, and that you say, hey, we'll work around 40-plus for our quarterback next year. We can work with Grady Jarrett and, uh, and, and, Restructure. and, and, and some of this extend him, uh, get his number down, and, and work from there. But winning, you know, in a win-win or in any sense in the NFL, first it's about the win-loss column, and secondly, it's about forming a team that's not completely about the talent you have on your roster, but it's about the puzzle that you have to put together that combines talent and value. And, uh, you know, it, it'll come at some point for the Titans too. Uh, it has come where they've had to make some decisions about, and I'm not talking about not re-signing Corey Davis or not re-signing Johnny Smith. I'm talking about cut, cutting Malcolm Butler. You know, now that's not a Julio Jones type of thing. Um, you know, and at least you had some cause to, to speculate that things weren't going to be good with Adoree Jackson because of what he showed you last year. But Malcolm Butler played well last year, mm-hmm. and Malcolm Butler has the attitude that you want. Adoree Jackson, you had reason to, to doubt those things. Malcolm Butler, if you didn't have salary cap concerns, would be here, right? And he's not. Now, he's not Julio Jones, but there's a microcosm of the same issue. 
it was going to be a win-win for Atlanta, no matter when they traded him and what they traded him for. So let's get that out of the way. They're going to say it. They, well, they had to. They were going to say it, but it was a win-win because they get the cap, they get the salary off the books. They're bringing in a young player. If you're if you're a first-time head coach uh, with a young general manager, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, do I build around a 32-year-old wide receiver, or do we trade him and build around Kyle Pitts? It was pretty clear based on the way the, the video, uh, the, the inner workings were happening during the, the draft. They received trade calls from Detroit and put the phone down and said, we're taking Kyle Pitts. I mean, they, they knew they were getting him. They're building around him. They already have Ridley, who's extremely, extremely good. And Gage then Russell bad. Gage has, has played well and stepped in to play a bigger role when Julio was down last year. So if you're evaluating where they are, they made the right decision. I understand why they're calling it a win-win. Also, they were a bad team with Julio Jones last year, with Matt Ryan last year. They, I think they know they're going to be pretty bad. So they w- might as well get something for the player and try to build for the future. The same way John Robinson, the, he was building whenever he first arrived here. He had to build from the outside, or from the inside out. And my guess is that's exactly the same way they'll approach what they're doing in Atlanta. Yeah, and you know their running back situation is—it's uh, not good. You know, a question. If Mike Davis uh, and uh, a rookie um, in Javian Hawkins, I believe, uh, they also have Cordero Patterson that they're listing as a running back. That's their running back situation. Yeah. Also, their kick returner situation. <laughs> Um, you know, but, that's a, my point, though. They they have Cordero Patterson listed as their second running back. Right, and think about their division. The Saints probably take a step back because uh, you know post Drew Brees, I'm not a big believer in that that Sean Payton's going to magically transform Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill into into uh, uh, you know sustaining what they've had. Maybe I think Carolina's on the up, but Tampa Bay obviously got everybody back. Um, so, you know, it's a complicated division. I, I just don't anticipate them being much of a factor with or without Julio based on their roster makeup. Yeah. And they get the salary off the books. They get a second-round pick in return. You can, I know there are other picks here. I, I just want to clarify why I'm not mentioning them. The Titans are very likely to get a compensatory pick back in years to come. That will offset the pick that they're trading, Right. Which is a fourth rounder, or a, yeah, fourth rounder, uh, in exchange. Traded a fifth for a sixth, I think. Or a fifth for a sixth, excuse me. They they may get a third or a fourth in a, as a compensatory. They should down the get road. a third next year. I mean, their losses were pretty hefty with Davis and Smith, um, compared to what they signed. I think they'd come out ahead there, and then in 2023, you know, you're potentially losing uh, just off the top of my head, Jayon Brown. Uh, Rashawn Evans, uh, you know, he's got to go do something somewhere right. to, to give you some, some, some value. But uh, they could be in position again, you know. Uh, shout out to, uh, was it Haramoto Henry on the chat? I'm trying to see. No, it was Lebowski. Shout out to Lebowski uh, for reminding me of this because I was watching this right before it happened live. I turned it off. I was with a, a family member this weekend. We were watching the Tour de France. Uh, randomly, it was just on the same channel we ended on, and they're all bunched up. The stage one, 
And I'm like, yeah, what's really funny is when one guy just wipes out the entire, the whole, like every cyclist is just gone. I think that's called the Peloton, that group. Is it the, the Peloton? Um, it happened, but did you see what happened? There's something with the there's cardboard a, sign. There was, a, there was a fan on the route uh, through the hills, through the countryside. Who has a cardboard sign and he he like leans out into the track so he can be on camera and he's like, hey, look at my sign, not knowing that he's that he's about to hit a cyclist like the guy who's in like third or fourth place and they're all bunched together and this guy has nowhere to go. He just crashes right into this cardboard sign. It's not like flimsy cardboard. It, it's sturdy enough, right? <laughs> and he he wobbles and wipes out and he knocks into the and it just it's a whole mess of them. So this guy not just leaning he was leaning out like from the curb. Yeah, he's standing the on the side of the road, leaning into the road uh, totally with his botched. sign to get on camera. I, I, just no common sense and no wherewithal on where they were on the track. Those bikes were they were coming at him a lot faster than what he expected. And <laughs> did he get hurt? I don't think so. You know, they, it it, it was one, one of these long, like, rectangle hor uh, signs that he was just leaning out. They went, like, five feet into the track. And just, I mean, just a whole mess of them. We went in. Uh, this was Saturday morning. And uh, we went inside after, you know, we were watching outside. And I looked down at my phone because I'm checking Twitter out of habit. And, like, everyone just retweeting <laughs> what had just happened. Uh, yeah, classic moment at the Tour de France. Uh, and who knows, maybe one day we'll be able to show uh, some some NBC uh, footage. Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to do that or not. Uh, Lance and Jacob get smacked on the on the hand by YouTube whenever we do that. So uh, if you haven't very seen dangerous. it, very, if you haven't dangerous. seen it, uh, go YouTube it. You just won't be able to see it on our channel, which is Outkick360. If you have not already done so, please go subscribe to the Outkick 360 channel. Uh, you can be automatically entered to win a great gift from Sony and Hertz Audison by doing so. Uh, but more importantly, you'll subscribe to all the content, both live and on demand, as we post things uh, throughout the weekend, uh, as we do shows whenever there is breaking news moving forward, the same fashion that uh, Sleepy Danny and Lance rushed to uh, Clay on Saturday morning when there was news from Omaha in the College World Series. You can be alerted to that just by ringing the bell after you subscribe to the Outkick 360 YouTube channel. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the podcast wherever you download your podcast. Enjoy the sports night. We're back tomorrow at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, right here on Outkick 360 to recap the big night. I implore you, don't block the box and do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.